What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Today, we are talking with musician, vocalist, and songwriter Nancy Wilson. Now, many of you know Nancy as a founding member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted band, Heart. Heart has given us so many amazing songs like Magic Man, Barracuda, Crazy on You, Never, Alone, and These Dreams. And now Nancy is coming out with her first solo album titled You and Me, which you can pre-order now and will be available May 7th. The first single from the album is actually the title track, You and Me, which is Nancy's tribute to her late mother, Lois, who struggled with Alzheimer's. Now, at Hardcore Humanism, our goal is to help you apply some of the core principles of humanistic psychology so that you can overcome obstacles, find your purpose, work hard to achieve it, and build a community around you who will support your best and most authentic life. And on this podcast, we speak with individuals who exemplify many of those principles in the hopes that you gain some helpful insights that you can apply in your life as you pursue your own purpose. And one of the most important challenges we face in building the life that we want is coping with the loss of a loved one. Part of the reason why this loss is such a challenge is that often the more meaningful the relationship, the more painful the loss. And in addition to the devastating sadness caused by the death of a loved one, this type of loss can potentially affect us in two ways. First, it may leave such a large void that we may struggle to continue to find purpose in life. And second, the fear of possibly losing someone again may prevent us from forming meaningful connections with others. There is no way to do justice to how painful and earth-shattering the loss of a loved one can be. We can never tell people how to mourn or deal with loss. Everyone has their own process to deal with their pain. And the way that Nancy copes with the loss of her mother is by continuing to nurture that connection even after her mother's death. One important insight from our conversation is the metaphor Nancy uses in describing how her mother took care of Nancy and her siblings on a ship where she described there being no rails. One of the most difficult things about life is that sometimes it feels like there are no rails. We feel so vulnerable, and we often look to people we love to provide comfort and guidance and to help us pursue our purpose in life. But one of the most powerful things that we can do to cope with a loss is to try as best we can to still feel the spirit and love and support of that person. As Nancy describes, feel like their energy never stops and is not gone, but rather it exists, as she says, like ripples on the water. And those ripples reverberate throughout time and our lives, still providing us that comfort in a life with no rails. Nancy, welcome to Hardcore Humanism. I am glad to be here in a big way. Oh, thank you. So let's start in talking about and understanding your relationship with your mom, which is a subject of the single off of your new album. And let's go all the way to the beginning, which is a lot of people don't necessarily understand what it's like to have a parent away at war and the, the stress that that puts on the family, obviously the stress that it puts on the person, but also the stress that it puts on the family who's at home. And right. let's, let's start with that as a context for understanding your relationship with your mom. Well, yes, th that's a, a loaded question and a good question. When I was two to about four, we went on a big ship to Taiwan to be stationed in Kaohsiung and uh, at a military quarters. So we were, we were walled in in a, in a 
kind of a fortress area, you know, home sort of a thing with uh, a cook and a couple of ama, which is nanny in Chinese. And so that, that was my first experience of military life, you know, with my mom who took us over on a huge battleship with, you know, a stateroom with a porthole and with bunk beds, you know. And so it was the USS Man, and we left from San Francisco, uh, sailed under the Golden Gate, and went to Taiwan. And so in the during that trip, I, I got the sense of the military, world of the military. You know, there were no real railings to speak of on the sides of the huge ship. And so I was on a leash, you know, and my two sisters were each four years older than me. So my mom had to wrangle all of us, including this two-year-old toddler, which I don't envy her for that. But she she was a really well-rounded human, like capable of a lot of things, and elegant, and a seamstress who made amazing, beautiful clothes for us and for herself to go to cotillions and to visit dignitaries when we were in Taiwan and go to the grounds where my dad would conduct the military band and they would be marching, you know, at a speech-making event or something. So we had such a broad spectrum of, of events. And, and then we'd have, when we were back uh, in the States, we had aunts and uncles and grandparents who would be so happy to be together after years of being split apart from the war and having been injured in World War One for my granddad and World War Two for my dad and and t- uh, telegrams from Western Union that came to my mom when he was at war that that came from the opposition that lied purposely to break down the morale of folks at home, claiming that he'd been killed in action, and it wasn't even true. And she had two telegrams like that, where she was pregnant with one of us, and she went to the beach and walked to the beaches and cried for days, you know, because she thought her husband had been killed in the war. All of these experiences and all of this context is from which we came, and so her strength and her resilience and her steely, steel magnolia <laughs> kind of thing, you know, that she embodied was amazing to grow up with. Um, you know, the, we've been in a war this last year with the pandemic, and there's a similarity to, you know, how you gather yourself together and how you keep your loved ones close and how you protect your bubble, your family or your bubble of friends that you know, the way we've had to readjust our whole way of living and thinking and protecting our own lives and the lives of our loved ones. And so, you know, I think it's, there's definitely symbolic connection there to what it's like to live through a war. I think I feel really blessed that even though it was a wartime situation, that the tight-knit sort of troop, platoon of our family, remained tight. And so I think that's a big part of what I, I write about in my songs and what I was able to touch on with the You and Me, that song, because 
even though she is no longer around, I feel like I, because through the osmosis of DNA, <laughs> we can actually still be together, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a spiritual person, you know, and I, I believe that energy never stops. In the universe, I don't think energy just cuts off and stops. I think it only transforms to an, a different energy. And wherever that is, or however it manifests and go, wherever it goes, it's still there in some form. So, you know, like ripples on, ripples on the water, it, it continues to vibrate out into wherever it is. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that's so complicated about grief for people yeah. because the the intensity of missing someone, mm -hmm. the intensity, you know, in some ways the the better the relationship, the more you will miss them, but then by the same token, there's more of an opportunity to internalize that positive feeling, but I think a lot of people struggle with yeah. being able to balance that. I think that's really, really true. Like really, you know, genius truth right there. Because if you've had a, a, a loved one that you've lost, but you didn't get to say a proper goodbye because you had issues that were not positive, you know, you had negativity. If you didn't have the opportunity to make something right or to forgive each other or do that you know closure kind of thing then then that could be more haunting than anything in your life after you've missed a chance to properly send someone off you know you know in our case she she had alzheimer's for quite a few years uh, after my dad was gone and so we we had sunday dinners and we played music around her house i gave her a house like next door to mine so we could visit and um play music and stuff and it's interesting what i've learned too about the brain <laughs> is so there's a cellular memory throughout your entire body that's not only inhabited by the brain and music is in your cellular memory because it's bigger than just your brain. It's not just the intake of hearing the music, you know. Oh, there's notes in my brain. But it's the cellular memory of music itself that imprints into your DNA and into your cells. And so that's why, like, we saw her, her most um, alert in her Alzheimer's in late stages even was when she heard the music. And so we went, you know, a couple of days before she actually passed, we went and played her some songs, you know, and she was pretty laid up and she, she didn't really have much perception or really knew who exactly we were, but she remembered the songs for sure. And it's so kind of a beautiful thing about music. It's kind of bigger than we, are. It's, it's, it goes into your physiology. And so we played some, you know, some songs like Me and My Arrow, and we played, you know, Harry Nilsson stuff, and Don't Forget Me, and Without You, and Beatles songs, you know, When I'm 64, and, you know, and she's like, she's laying there with her eyes closed, but she's smiling and tapping her foot. 
So <laughs> it was like the sound of the familiar vo- voices of her family. You know, and if this is something that's not comfortable, just let me know. But if you're if you're comfortable talking about it, a lot of people maintain a a sense of communication with people who have passed away. And that is something that they believe in and it's something that's comforting and it's something that, as you described, kind of continues the relationship. And I'm just kind of curious for you if if that's something that you feel is part of your process and, and if so, in, in what ways do you feel like you, you can effectively communicate with your mom, the spirit of your mom, how, however you understand it? Um, yeah, no, I, I don't have a problem talking about that at all. I mean, that's what the song is all about, you and me. And it's really a, like I did the video with mirrors and because I wanted to have a conversation that's also to myself, who is also her, because of my DNA with her. Speaking through your DNA, because we have similar DNA cells, and we have the the connection of our skin and our, actually our physique is almost identical. I have her, you know, piano hands, and I have guitar hands. She didn't play guitar, but we have the same stature and the same shape and the same type of body and so I always felt like I was her kind of the closest almost being her you know (laughs) because I had so many of her traits and um so I did a the video in in a mirror where it's these are paneled mirrors and so I can speak to her through looking at the lens through a mirror (laughs) so so it's kind of a once removed yet talking to myself and to her simultaneously. And I thought the video was really cool when it was we finished. I just did it at home, you know, with with Julia, my assistant, who shot it on a actually just just on a a good iPhone, <laughs> but through the mirror with the lights, you know. Yeah, and it's it's interesting as you're as you're talking about it and you're talking about this connection that that you keep and it's it's very it's very you know quite frankly it's very heartwarming just because so many people feel that death is such an end and they have trouble with what to do with all of that love what to do with all of that pain and it it a lot of times quite frankly it gets turned on themselves and it, it and people really suffer and so just this this notion that you found a process by which you feel like this connection goes on is is very encouraging just because I know how many people struggle with it yeah i i agree with that you know being kind of a real spiritual type person i don't subscribe to really any structure sort of religious you know, belief system necessarily. But I I do feel that, like I said, energy just transforms. And I, th- I don't think death is just a final black hole that we fall into wherever we, whatever happens, we don't know. We can't have certainty. And um, I respect and admire people that can stick to their belief system. And we know that there's a heaven and we know that we're getting into heaven and we're going to see all of our relatives there. And and that's really comforting, you know, to have those belief systems. And I, 
I kind of envy that. I wish I could really go all the way there. But I, I do feel that there's, there is a spiritual connection because nothing really truly ever is over. Yeah. And, and if I may be making a bit of a leap here, but using the term spiritual connection, I couldn't help but notice when I saw you writing about Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Twitter or in, in that it actually felt like there was something similar. I obviously don't want to compare your connection with your mom to another person that, that I don't mean it that way, but it almost like when people say like kind of real recognizes real, there was a sense that I was getting from just reading that, that there was a way that you were connecting to her and her strength of belief and her kind of power in, in, in some kind of way. I don't know if that's overstating the point, but that's absolutely what, you know, what I recognize in uh, RBG was so much like my mom. I mean, she was fierce, you know, she was a a feminist. She was free thinker, you know, an open-minded, effective, fierce in her belief and in her ability to transform and to, to fight for good causes like women's causes and, um, fight for the right things, you know, fight for the good, the more mind expanded thinking that keeps us out of our toddler wars. <laughs> Kind of like we've been in for the last four years without being political, though. No, no, but it's interesting because, you know, obviously you guys in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and your music goes beyond the just it doesn't just connect with women, obviously. But I was I thought it was very cool getting the She Rocks Award. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, because I know growing up, look, heart busted through. Yes, there were some women who had been in rock music, but it was still predominantly a male dominated for sure, you know, arena and the way that you guys busted out and the way that you kind of claimed your space. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of curious just in terms of your interactions with up and coming artists and, and how I think, I think it's for any artist, men, women, whoever, yeah. but I do think that it does need to be said that like, Yes, the music was wonderful, and yes, you guys were great, but there is something that does need to be said about the power of doing that as a woman in a, in a predominantly male-dominated world is going to be particularly inspirational to women coming up where they still may experience some kind of sexism. And I'm just kind of curious, this spiritual energy and just, you know, if there's ways that you, I don't know, either directly or indirectly feel like you're kind of passing that on to these new artists no i think absolutely i mean there have been so many like meet and greets where we do a picture with the fans you know who get um you know some special bags of cool you know gizmos and t-shirts and they get their prizes and they you know guitar picks and they get their you know, they get to come up and get their picture taken with us. And so many, so many of them, uh, will say, Oh my God, you know, I, I would never have picked up a guitar if you guys hadn't, you know, 
given me the confidence to, you know, break out of my, my fear about trying to step up and do something like you do. And, you know, I had to really notice how much that we heard that. And, um, and it's so great to think that, you know, how music has saved so many people's lives. I thought, I thought I was going to off myself, but you know, your music saved me from killing myself or my, my, I lost my loved one and somebody died and I, you music got me through that year. And, but you know, especially like I started a band because of you or, or I'm in a tribute band because of you. And, and it's really an amazing through line because it's, I think a lot because of our mom, we were burly about getting out there and start doing that in the mid seventies when nobody was doing that. And we were really an anomaly. We were really rare, a rare breed of rock band because, and we had the strength and conviction, you know, of the military spirit, I think going into that. And, with the era that that was was at the time, even though it was pretty still pretty mind expanded after the late sixties into the seventies, you know, guys were cool. A lot of guys were cool. A lot of rock guys were not so cool, and a lot of the business people were really not so cool because there was a lot of slime balls, of course, and you know that's why there's a song Barracuda exists. <laughs> um, but there was also a strength we had the wagons pulled into circle me and Anne and when when we would hear you know unflattering comments about women um detrimental comments against women and all of those typical things we just didn't care we we were we were so motivated and we just it just bounced off of us and we just kept walking forward purposefully, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you feel going back to that metaphor of there being no rails, you know, there being that threat, there being that danger. And it's like, okay, so how do you deal with that? And you think about kind of firm, but loving hand that your mom has that just says, well, we're doing this, you know, and, and you are here in the midst of all this, you know, that was, that was from, you know, heart. Like one of the things that I remember, kind of as a as a fan was just this sort of we're here period that's the, that's the end of the discussion we're not we're not rebelling against yeah. you we're not we're not making a comment relative to you we're not defining ourselves ourselves relative to male artists we're we're just we're, here and you can, you can we, yeah we came yeah. to play and we're competent we're here we did the homework we're competent and dig us. Dig I, think, us. I, think, I think we can I think I think we can move a little bit beyond competent, but I, I appreciate the humility <laughs> in that statement. You know what's funny though at the time, um, just having planted our you know, put our flag in, on that moon, you know, and a lot of the fans were like, Wow, you guys, how do you maintain your femininity while you're rocking so hard? You know? <laughs> it was so unusual then, you know, it's like how do you maintain looking like? Uh, can I tell? Can I tell you? I just 
I hate those comments so badly. Almost every female artist that I talk to in this context says some horrible story like that. Yeah, yeah. It drives me, it drives me nuts every time I hear it. It's like, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're, 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 it's your story. Like, am I supposed to be a little butch dude? be in competition with dudes. There's no blueprint for that in our book. I mean, we were just, we were being our own sensual, emotional, hard rocking, sometimes balladeering, you know, and we had both of, we had the duality. That's why we did dog and butterfly. You know, we did the dog side and the butterfly side. And it was, it was just so unusual and so like groundbreaking at the time. But you see somebody like Phoebe Bridgers now smashing a guitar on TV. It's kind of like, all well, right. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. People have different experiences, but I, I, when I hear that story, I'd be like, like, what women do you know that you're asking that question? Like, what, like, like, who do you know that makes you think <laughs> that women rocking is somehow antithetical? It's to really me. hard to put it in such, to have such compartmentalized perceptions of, you know, gender-specific perceptions of what's allowed per gender in each gender. And what's so, why would that not be allowed? Yeah, and it's, and it speaks to when you're talking about your mom, when you're talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when you talk about what you guys have done, you know, again, the power is not necessarily just by virtue of the fact that you are and were women, but the fact that you asserted that power in the context of a sexist society makes yeah. it even that much more, yeah. you know, kind of notable. To me, I, the way I think about it is, look, you know, the most important thing, I guess, from my perspective is, is the artist expressing their authentic self. Yeah. If this is who someone is as an artist and they are pushing their way through and and that's their spirit and that's how they want to represent them you know that's fine you know the thing that i get concerned about is but if there's people in the music industry who are saying well you have to do this in order to get attention yeah. then that's a very different thing where's the control who is in control yeah yeah who's controlling you know the costumery of it all and i appreciate it i mean i think you know Who's more outrageous? And there's always that element that's kind of fun about, almost humorously fun about, you know, kind of outdoing the last act, you know, daring costumery. But, but yeah, I really respond to what's authentic and what feels really authentic and truly from a, a soulful place that speaks of humanity and, you know, a poetic humanity. That's that's my bag. <laughs> but listen, Nancy, thank you so much. And honestly, it's been wonderful. I've gotten so much out of your music and it's been great talking with you. And I just wish you the best of luck. And I hope we get a chance to talk again soon. I hope so, too. Let's try to do that because I, I would love to do it again. Really enjoyed that. We are so grateful to Nancy Wilson for talking about her relationship with her mother and how she copes with her loss. Again, there is no one way to mourn a loss, 
but we hope that by hearing how Nancy finds comfort and strength in continuing her connection with her mother, you may gain some insights that can be helpful in your coping with loss. Listening to Nancy talk about how she continues her connection with her mother and also tries to connect with up-and-coming young musicians, you can feel her taking the same spirit and energy her mother gave her and passing it on to others. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder, Island Booman, for producing this podcast, and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear on the podcast, go to our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter, which offers additional insights into living a purpose-driven life. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.